It's six o'clock. Always a good time to call Baird Brothers. Traditional craftsmanship, timeless style. Online at BairdBrothers.com. News Radio 570, WKBN, Youngstown's News, Weather, and Talk Stew. Need a furnace and AC checkup? Call Massa Heating in Girard, your factory authorized Bryant dealer. Now, the Storm Team 27 forecast. Monday night, we'll see lows in the 50s, mostly cloudy with a chance of an isolated shower or thunderstorm. Tuesday, expect fog in the morning, mostly cloudy with a high of 65, as well a chance for showers and an isolated thunderstorm. In the Storm Team 27 Weather Center, I'm Dan Marcel. Temperature 66 degrees. The following is a paid program and does not necessarily represent the views of iHeartMedia. Securities and advisory services offered through Investicorp, member FINRA SIPC. Information provided during the J. Arnold Wealth Management Company show is intended for informational purposes only and should not be considered advice. Please consult with your own investment advisor or tax advisor before making any investment decisions. This is the J. Arnold Wealth Management Show. I was wondering what this was all about, and uh, it must mean J. Arnold's on the line. Hi, John. Hey, man, how you doing, Ron? I'm hanging in there, thank you. And boy, I tell you, as I was looking, the markets were, can I say, mediocre today as far as, you know, the downs weren't very down, the highs weren't very high. How else would you describe it? I would it? say, I call that a flat day, and uh, something I call noise in the market. It's, uh, it's a terminal, it's a stock broker terminology. That's where it's just a lot, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of oversight, a lot of hearsay noise. It really doesn't, you know, today's movement, was really irrelevant to anybody's portfolio, but technology and banks did well. But uh, overall, uh, just a real flat day, flat as a pancake. Right. Uh, and are people, are your investors, when when you are, you know, at somewhat highs is what I want to say, are investors leery of getting in right now? Or, you know, when you get your new money, or what would you say to people out there thinking of uh, hopping in or maybe put more money into the market? Believe it or not, the people that have been putting assets into our our uh, portfolios this past two weeks, I've been telling them, don't get mad at me. Don't think I'm being lazy. Don't think I'm not doing anything for you. I just feel that we're getting to a market all-time high, which is factual. But more importantly, I think we're setting up for a 4 or 5% pullback mid-June. So I'll take the money now. Uh, we'll let that, you know, let that market creep down a little bit just on some selling. Uh, selling pressure is nothing significant, but... One of the things that, that I've learned the hard way, unfortunately, over the past 17 years is you're buying a client high, you know, momentum's going hard, and then the first couple of weeks that you put their money in, it loses just basically because you put the money in high. Really good investments, but you, 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 did, you, know, you timed it wrong. So the, the relationship starts off very salty and um, with a negative uh, connotation. And so what, what I'm telling people now is, is be disciplined. Take the Warren Buffett up there. Be greedy when others are fearful and be fearful, fearful when others are greedy. And right now we're being fearful because we believe, according to my technical analysis charts, that uh, 3 to 4 to 5% pullback is imminent. It makes sense. I believe in a, for a personal strategy and a philosophy, which I cannot prove, by the way. It's just a, it's a personal philosophy. That the market's going to pull back based on big money pulling back. Because I think quarterly reports are going to be outstanding again. Quarterly, quarterly earnings reports are going to come out outstanding in mid-July, and therefore, for these for big money to make any kind of money, they got to run it down first, and then obviously, so they'll, they'll short it, make money on the down, and then let it flatten out, and then build a base, and then they'll plug back in and make money on the up when the earnings reports come out. 
And they did that same exact thing, by the way, in March. So there's been a pattern forming with, with, you know, with the market on this. And, of course, as I've always said on this show, my strategy is not perfect. It's not a crystal ball. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. But it gives me a better chance of uh, not losing money, I believe, and gaining more money in a bull market. And, and that's how I feel the way things are. Is it tough, though? Let's say you get a 3 or 4% pullback and then you hop in. And, well, then you can make some gains. But, I mean, do you see any? Do you think you're going to see any bigger spikes anytime soon? I mean, you know, it just kept no, going no, up and I, up and listen, up. Listen, I think there's, like, one more, like, strong week coming. I do. I think, uh, but you got to remember, the people are investing with me aren't day trading. And if they are, they're not my client. Because uh, I, I don't take that, that kind of client anymore. They always get burned, and for whatever reason, it's my fault. So I don't do day traders. So if I put money in the market to make it work and say, we put in cybersecurity, we put in uh, aerospace and defense. Let's say we put in some banking, we put in uh, SP 500 funds, whatever. I'm just throwing some stuff out there. More than likely, in the next month, they're going to get their statement and have a 2 to 3% loss, which really isn't significant in the big scheme of things, but it does start off the relationship on a sour note. Well, there's nothing, and, there's nothing you hate worse than an investor. And you say, here's $10,000, and then, you know, two or three weeks later, you got 9500 No, there is, I don't care how long you've been, yeah, people hate yeah, that. That leads me to another conversation, like, and by the way, the, the fiduciary Department of Labor rule is going into effect, which I believe or not, I'm a big fan of, I think it's about time. But that's the same as buying an, an A-share off a, of a, of a representative, 5.75% of front load for a, for a mutual fund, starting out the account, say you put in 100, starting almost, starting the account off at 94000 bucks. I mean, I, I don't know how people <laughs> get sold that bill of goods at this day and age. That is the most unbelievable thing to me. Like, I, I, I got to tell you, I'm not that good of a salesman. I, I could never pull that, that Houdini trick off. I I'll, tell you, that. I'll tell you how they do that. It's re- usually the investor's ignorance to not know what it's going to cost them. It has to be. Like, I got to tell you, like, even today we had a couple of referrals call in from out of state. And uh, the first thing they asked me is, like, listen, I want to know how you get paid. Absolutely. Because, you know what? What happens is, let's say they get a fee and they don't understand why or what that is. Now, again, the relationship's all starting off on a salty note. And that's terrible for the relationship, no matter how much money I make them or lose them. So, uh, you, and, and so here's the message to the clients or the people listening out there. Just like if I was hiring an attorney or if I was getting onto a medical procedure, tell me what it's going to come out of my pocket first. Tell me what I'm getting into. People don't mind paying as long as it's fair and as long as it's suitable, but as long as, more importantly, they know what they're getting themselves into. Where, they go, where you go wrong is, as an advisor, is you don't tell people about the inside charges of an annuity. You don't tell people about the 11% load on a, or an alternative investment product, or you don't tell people the 5.75% load on a mutual fund, et cetera, et cetera. Then they start to say, man, this guy, you know, this guy, is he worth this? Or, or sometimes they just say, this guy's an ass, I mean, he charged me a lot of money, and I don't see the results. So if there's something I could tell people uh, just from being in my business, is make sure you know what you're getting into when it comes to cost, and also make sure you know what it comes to as far as value. So even if the value, even if you have a fair uh Price. Let's say you agree to a one half percent charge management fee, but the guy's only moving your account a couple times a year. That doesn't seem very fair to me. That, that seems like a dud. So, anyways, uh, probably next new subject. Right, but I mean, 
if if you're paying a um, what do you call it, a management fee, you hope that the person is watching it and managing it. Sometimes it needs moved, and sometimes it doesn't need moved. Right? I mean, it, well, it, no, it's exactly right. Like, um, if you're in the right sectors, why move? Exactly, and, and and believe it or not, every quarter I have to summarize why I have not made moves in a in a, in a portfolio for the SEC or state securities regulators because that is true, and they're one hundred percent correct. If I'm getting charged a man, if I'm charging a management fee of X amount of uh, percent a year, and the account's not moved in six months, but the, the the particular positions are doing so well, it would actually hurt the client to do well. I have to justify that. So believe it or not, the message to the listeners on that is that the SEC and the state regulatory department have a close eye on that right now, and, I, and I'm, I'm happy about that. Because what a lot of guys, when I say guys, I mean men and women, what a lot of people were doing is they were getting a free ride. They would, they would take and get someone's money out of an annuity, and they would get somebody's money out of a brokerage account, charge them a 1% fee, and that sounded great, but they didn't do crap crapola form. So, you know, it's like, it would be, let me put it this way. It would be like renting a house from you, paying you monthly rent, but you actually are not providing me a house. As ridiculous as that sounds. So, and how that, and so you're wondering, well, how can people let that go by? Well, they get caught up in their life, and the fees are built internally, and before you know it, you paid, say, twelve, fifteen hundred dollars in fees and got nothing done for yourself. No management, no technical analysis, no tactical analysis, no anything. Just the guy's name on the top of your paper, and I think that's horse crap. So regulators are really on that. But sometimes, in, in what you brought up, sometimes it really it actually behooves the client to, to remain the course. Like what, right now, we're in a lot of the same positions we started at the beginning of the year. We're in banking, we're in the industry, we're in the materials, we're in the aerospace and defense, we're in the cybersecurity, we're in the some small cap, some mid caps. And guess what? They're all kicking ass except for banking. I got to say, banking's been down since the fallout. In March, but again, there's a hold that I, I believe in. I think that's our strongest hold. So I'm not willing. To, I'm not willing to sell it, and it's not because I'm being lazy on the portfolio. It's because it's the right move for the client. So sometimes it works out, like you brought up, where no movement is the same as no not making is a decision is actually management itself. It's just situation for situation uh, comes about, and you do what you got to do to, to uh, make make it work. Right, uh, a couple of a couple of thoughts about a couple of different things. I was reading some experts today, and what they see, you know, where where things are going, and a lot of them still like dividend stocks, especially as interest rates rise and volatility increases. Do you? They're they're my favorite position. They're my favorite investment. And as a matter of fact, if anybody comes to me off the street or or just as a new client, and they're a first time investor. That is all I will invest them in. That's all I will allow them to invest in with me. Now, they can go take their account somewhere else and invest whoever they want. But I know this. If they're not an experienced investor and this is their first taste of investing and they lose out of the gate, it gives them a raw deal for the rest of their life, even though it might be a great stock or a great investment. Um, you know, losing money out of the gate really hurts a new investor because they're, they're amateurs at it and they're green. So a dividend-paying stock, unless they cut the dividend, which is very rare, is always going to give them a return. Not to mention, I, I, I repeat this constantly, I build a financial plan identical as if I was a contractor or a GC building a house. And if I was a house, building a house, I'm going to build that foundation as strong as possible. That's what my name's going to be made up of. 
you can have the prettiest siding and brick and landscaping and all the bells and whistles on the second and third floor, but if your foundation sucks, your house is going to blow, blow down in a bad storm, and you're going to get a bad reputation, and you're sending your, 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 your clients back to square one. And then comes the dividend-paying stock. So if you've got your insurances in place, if you have a savings account at four to six times the amount of your liquid bills, if you have a paycheck coming in, if you have low credit card debt or low debt overall, the first layer of investing we're going to do is we're going to do dividend-paying ETFs or stocks if your stomach can handle that, and we're going to get you five to seven solid ones, and, and we're going to diversify that portfolio. And then if you can stomach that and you got more money to invest, now we're going to talk about some mid-caps. Now we're going to talk about some small caps. Now we're going to talk about some international stuff, some emerging market stuff. We're going to dig in. We're going to dig in. We're going to dig in some risk because, again, we have a solid foundation built. So, uh, with that said, I built it exactly like I built a house, and I think that's and that starts uh, in my world. It starts with dividend paying stocks, mm-hmm. and I have to believe you, or you're a savvy businessman and investor. I have to believe that you agree with that philosophy. Oh, I I find it a hard philosophy to disagree with. You're you're absolutely right. I would ag- I would agree with that uh, totally. Uh, and, and I also agree with the philosophy, like you say, so you don't get burned or, or, or you don't get turned off early on as a result of it, too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like anything. Like, if you started something new and the first time you, uh, you, you try something and it sucks, even if it's your fault or even if it's the salesman's fault or if it's the businessman's fault, businessman's fault, yes or no, it, it really is. A, it's, a, it's how the client feels because perception is reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, example, you go to buy a car, and let's say you buy a, a Toyota Camry. And Camrys are notorious for being known as very reliable cars um, and, 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 and moderately priced. But let's say you get a lemon. And, yes, there's lemon Toyotas out there. So let's say you're a first-time car buyer. You buy a, buy a Camry, and 80,000 miles, 80, miles in, your transmission blows. Well, I mean, the truth of the matter is, Toyota's probably going to stand behind it, but that forever is always going to leave a salty taste in your mouth about Toyota, even though I'm going to say 99% of those cars, well, that would never happen to. It's the, same, it's the same exact way with investing. You get into the market high, you take too much risk, you don't know what you're getting into, whether it's the broker's fault or not, or, or whether it's just a bad market, that's what you're going to carry for the rest of your life is a salty investment taste in your mouth. And for the rest of your life, you know, all those guys are just salesmen, or those guys are just crooks, or the market sucks, it's all manipulated. But listen, the market's been making money since 1929. Every decade, at least 7 or 8% every 10 years, SP 500, you can say whatever you want about the stock market. It has outperformed every major investment out there over the course of every 10 years. But you'll have people miss out on that opportunity because they got burned in the beginning from maybe just bad timing or maybe a bad guy in our industry. Or just basically a bad investment. Right. Now, speaking of bad investments, how's the oil sector doing for you? It's not doing good. It's not doing <laughs> good. And, and, and ironically, it should be doing good and not why you think. So I have some guys that, that are clients of mine that are in the oil industry, petroleum industry. And oil, they, you know, they, they are just rocking and rolling in that industry. But it's not for cars. It's not for traditional powering engines and, 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 and other things that oil does. It's for building plastics. It's for building molds. And the, re- the reason why I'm telling you is because that particular industry, the supply and demand is way out of favor. Demand is actually higher 
in supply, but that's not reflected because it's it's really just like the stock market itself. News is what sells the market. News is what makes the market go up and down, not really what's factual. So right now we're in oil development type of ETFs, uh, and and those have taken not we were up about twelve percent March on those. Oil took a hit, even though the earnings per share and even though the the uh, the bottom line has risen on those stocks fundamentally. It's down about 2% for the year. So, uh, And then I own oil wells, actually oil wells, like landed oil and gas keep pumping up from. And the return on the yield has been like 3 to 4%. It's been dismal. Very underperforming the market. But it's one of those things to where if the Saudis are going to oversupply the market and the news is not going to carry uh, the true story out there, it's, it's just not going to be good for oil until that uh, – until that reverses. What, what we need is, and by the way, I'm not saying I want this, but if you're an oil investor, what you're going to want is some kind of war or some kind of war action, which will make that particular commodity usually, spray, usually spike. Right, but low, low, but low oil prices have been here for a while, and there's no sign at least you know anything could change on the horizon of that changing anytime soon. Especially with Russia. A lot of people don't know this, but that's Russia's main commodity. Russia's the leading oil producer in the entire world. That's what they do. And if everybody thinks, well, the Saudis and, 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 and uh, the Middle East is where a lot of the oil comes from, that is true. But Russia, Russia is the player there. So with relations like they are between Russia and the United States and Russia internationally overall and a strategic businessman like Putin is, they're going to continue to oversupply that market and they're going to continue to fight us economically on that horizon until they can't fight it anymore because that's their bread and butter. So uh, you're 100% correct. I don't see anything rising in the future as far as oil barrels. Oil a lot of guys are calling for barrels of oil to go to 25. I think that's a little bit of horse crap. I do see it maybe going down to the high 30s, uh, low 30s maybe. Um, but if it does go in that 20s, believe me when I'm telling you, I'm a buyer because I think, it, I think ultimately it will rise back up from 60 to 70 over the course of time. Right, but you also thought the Cavs would win the first two games. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> okay, it's a I joke. <laughs> I actually, I, I got to tell you, on a sports-related note, I don't know how in the hell they're going to win. That, that Kevin Durant's a man among boys, and then they got they don't have any big man to uh, to defense the inside, and they're just going to they're hitting threes from you know almost half court. Uh, it's, un, it's 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 unbelievable to watch, isn't it? I mean, it's just yeah. And it seems and the hustle's there on the Cavs. The hustle's there. Oh yeah, but it seems like the shooting's been uh, not as hot. Obviously, <laughs> I mean, in a, in a score. It, uh, at the end of the day, they need a big man to defend. Any team needs a strong big man to defend Golden State because uh, you're if you're if you're guarding the outside perimeter like you have to against Golden State, then you got Kevin Durant who can drive, and you got a couple other guys that could handle the handle the pill and. Uh, you know, if they, you know, if you don't get a big man to, to intimidate that inside, they're going to take it to the hole every every time. So we're kind of screwed unless the, you know, unless we figure out a different strategy. I say last year was a uh, let's let's take it for what it was. We got a championship under the belt, but who knows? You never know. You never count anybody out. All right, tell me what your thoughts are about the tech sector. Do you like it still? Are you iffy about it? What are your I what's do, your reading? But I do now. You you like what it? Are you say that again. I, I'm sorry. You like it now. I do, only because it really took it on the chin in the beginning of the year. Uh, one of my favorite stocks, if you're an aggressive stock buyer right now, which means you're willing to take risk and which means you're willing to lose all your money 
in one day, if that's what happens, is Tesla. Tesla, I think it, it just broke out of what's called a triple top. Our clients, we plugged that in, made a bunch of money this past two weeks on it. And I just, honestly, I think that stock is rocking and rolling. I think it's going to continue. Uh, and that's in the technology sector. On one that got destroyed that's making a major comeback is Palo Alto, uh, P-A-L-O-A-L-T-O. Uh, PNW is the stock symbol. Uh, they're, in, they're in the Internet slash cybersecurity business. Uh, excellent, excellent antiviral, excellent uh, stock to own if you're willing to take risk. Bottom line is, tech sector is uh, is a mainstay right now, and uh, I'm looking to plug into some individual equities on that side, and uh, and I do like it to answer you directly. Hey, this is the Truth and in Investing Show uh, live here on a Monday night on News Radio 570 WKBN, and uh, you're listening to John Arnold doing a little brain picking here. We'll come back with segment number two. With uh, John Arnold in a minute from News Radio 570 WKBN. As we go along, you can make a contribution as well. 729 9977. If you'd like to get on board, talk your financial planning objectives with John or what's going on there. I mean, John's more than happy to take calls, hear what you have to say, whether you agree or disagree or have any questions on stocks, bonds, mutual funds, 401ks, whatever it might be. John takes on all comers there. When we come back, I'll, uh, I was reading today where some guys were getting out of large uh, cap stocks and shifting to small caps and European equities. I'll ask him about that. Take any calls you have. John will be here tonight till 7. This is the Truth Investing Show. Let you know where John's located and all that straight ahead. So stay with us. 729-9977. We'll get you through to John here tonight. We approach 630. We'll be back after this on News Radio 570 WKBN. So stay with us. This is the Ron Verb Show on News Radio 570 WKBN. Pull your home this summer. Call Massa Heating in Girard, your factory-authorized Bryant dealer. Now, the Storm Team 27 forecast. Monday night, we'll see lows in the 50s, mostly cloudy with a chance of an isolated shower or thunderstorm. Tuesday, expect fog in the morning, mostly cloudy with a high of 65, as well a chance for showers and an isolated thunderstorm. In the Storm Team 27 Weather Center, I'm Dan Marcel. Currently 65. News on demand. Go to 570WKBN.com. Bad credit, no credit, special financing available at Donnell Ford. Market Street Boardman. Securities and advisory services offered through Investicorp, member FINRA SIPC. Information provided during the J. Arnold Wealth Management Company show is intended for informational purposes only and should not be considered advice. Please consult with your own investment advisor or tax advisor before making any investment decisions. Now back to the J. Arnold Wealth Management Show. John Arnold's with us. Uh, he's here Monday nights uh, at 6 o'clock on News Radio 570 WKBN. And uh, John, of course, uh, does uh, investing. He's located in Canfield. We'll give you his uh, phone numbers and all that stuff out later in the broadcast. So stand by for that and how he operates as far as charges and uh, criteria and all that kind of stuff. So stay tuned for that. John, of course, accepts new clients. Uh, as well after well not everybody you know it's kind of a mutual relationship that you have right john i mean you interview them they interview you you see if it's a good fit 
And then uh, they go there from there. What are your thoughts? I was reading where a guy was trimming his exposure to U.S. large cap stocks and shifting allegations to U.S. small caps and European equities. Are you nervous about any of the U.S. large caps? I'm not nervous. I think the play the play there is US, uh, European large caps can out, outperform U.S. large caps simply on the ride is over. I mean, Europe's where it's at right now. We're doing the same thing in ours. We're trying. I'm trying to find out. I'm trying to find some weakness, to be honest with you, in our portfolios because I'd like to capture some of that European upside myself. The problem is, is very little of our our, our sectors right now are doing poorly. So. It it really wouldn't make sense for me to shift to European, but man, that is a that's a fantastic play. We've been in small cap for the past three months, and that's still some moderately wide. I think there's a way more way more room to go, but overall, small cap that's where you're going to make your money. Small cap, mid cap, that's where you make your money. If you look at if you pull up anybody's 401k chart, anybody's, mm-hmm. and 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 uh, on that chart, it's you know it shows twelve to twenty different sectors, mid-cap, European, life cycle funds, all the, all the BS. All you have to do is look at the five-year, ten-year return, sometimes even three-year, and you're going to see mid-cap at number one performance, and you're going to see small-cap at number two performance. It's like clockwork. Every ten years, that mid-cap and small-cap outperform. Can I guarantee that's going to happen in the past? Absolutely not. But, man, if it's happened for the past 40 years, I'm a player. So I think the move is good. Buying small caps at the top is extremely aggressive, very risky. You buy the small caps low, you have a very, very good chance of performing. And uh, if you're, you know, if you're into strategy and you have patience, that's a, that's a, that's usually a, uh, a winner for for the clients. And and that's that. And we do the same kind of strategy. So, and in Europe, Europe, you know, Europe's got its ass kicked for the past three years. Bad. I mean, they got smacked right between the eyes, and they were we we were at in 2009, and this whole Brexit thing, you know, was supposed to sink Europe. That didn't happen. So at the end of the day, there's a lot of confidence behind Europe. Uh, you obviously want to stay away from certain countries, but overall Europe, you got you got Ivy League school and, and, and high-end money managers buying those equities that know the international plays better than somebody like myself who knows very little. I, I know enough on what an international investment is. But I don't know those individual companies. I haven't been over there. I'm not living their everyday life. But mutual fund managers are. ETF managers are. Those guys are going over and interviewing the CEOs all the way to the janitors and, and saying, tell me about this company, what makes it good, what makes it bad, interviewing the clientele, interviewing uh, you know, the, the, the operations itself. And they're coming to a strategic and an informed conclusion to say, yay or nay, we're going to buy X amount of thousands of shares in our particular fund. And then that's where the trust in the fund manager comes in. So uh, answer your question in a very long way. I like to play. Uh, you have to be an aggressive risk taker to take that play. But if you are, that's a, that's, a, that's a nice way to make some money with risk. Now, but, but there, are, there are things that uh, can change. You know, you're expecting a slight adjustment or downturn, and you and you said mid June was that if if you were a obvious, I stand behind that right now. Mid-June. All right, all right. Which is what ten days away is is in part of that as you were saying that I was thinking is that because Friday the jobs numbers uh, you know are, are going to come out, or is it because of um, 
you know, it's truly, truly wrong. It's hard for the, the retail for sector you, job or numbers. Either, or our listeners understand unless they're following technical analysis. Mm-hmm. And just to be point blank with you, it's what the charts are telling me. This is what the, I'm reading the charts in reverse way, meaning that most chart readers are looking for momentum. Momentum is here. We're making money on momentum. But I've also been able to track since 2009, which is the start of the bull market. Momentum is popping out at certain places on the charts. Well, if I look at the like I would be reading guys that say, "Hey, you know, they're worried about the large student debt out there." I, I've heard things that that have been expressed, some of which you've been talking about for a longer period of time than some of these articles that I've been reading about. You know how much student debt is out there. Municipal workers' pensions. You've been talking about that. Uh, auto sales. You've been uh, talking about that. You know these areas. Retail sales. You know, that all of this kind of stuff could have a serious effect on, on the market. And, of course, you know, Trump's tax thing not getting through and the problems in Europe uh, or in uh, in uh, England. Comments? Yeah, I mean, you know, I feel proud of myself. I've been saying this stuff for four or five years now, and I'm going to continue to ride that train, except for Europe. I think Europe's on the comeback. Uh, but, you know, I, to be honest with you, I think those guys that made millions of dollars are late to the party. Mm-hmm. I want I want to ask him face to face like where have you been like this train's already left the station I mean it's it's over like your your news is old old hat mm-hmm. so you know a little old John Arnold here in, in Camford Ohio's you know give him a little bit of an ass whooping on the, on the information so proud of that but what they're saying is also true it's backing it up so yes I, I, and again and I'm not I'm not a fear guy I I think that we're bullish I think that we can make some money here I think there's a catastrophic market crash coming. Maybe two, two and a half years down the road, maybe right before pre, you know, re-election of Trump in four years or three and a half, I should say now. Uh, but in the meantime, I think you can make some money. But I think there's a catastrophic market collapse coming based on all those factors you just said. But I think leading off is going to be pensions. We are not. Our pension funds are in terrible shape. No one's talking about them, uh, and and it's going to take just like the housing market. It's going to take a couple to collapse. And PGC is going to come in and say, "Hey, we don't, we can't handle this." And if we, if we can, we're going to give them one tenth of what they, one tenth of what they were going to get. Uh, and then there's going to be blood on the street again. So, and then you'll have some kind of reform, and you'll have overregulation and overcompliance, and where the pendulum swings to the other side, and and hurt and hurts the economy the other way. It's just a vicious cycle of no proactive management because everybody's about the now. The leadership is weak. And the leadership is poor, I think, in the municipalities. And uh, no one wants to really, really, you know, face the, face the, the music. So, uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. I want to hear just, it. But in the meantime, i got to make money for my clients. i got to make money for myself. And I think there's money to be made. Were you, uh, were, were you surprised at all that, that, that the terrorist activity in England had no effect, no major effect, I should say, on the stock market? Absolutely not surprised. Let me tell you a story, and you'll say, you'll say, John, you're exactly right because you're right there in the meat of your career when this is happening. When I was in, I was, in, I went to Harding Elementary on the north side of Youngstown, and I remember like yesterday being in Mrs. QBI's class, and at that same exact, and during that day, the space shuttle blew up. And when the space shuttle blew up, they closed the schools down. They sent everybody home. TVs were, were wheeled, wheeled, wheeled into everybody's classroom. Teachers were crying. Principal was upset. Everybody, it was, it was a horrendous day in America. And, 
and that was from astronauts getting blown up in the sky, which is a horrific event. That stopped the world then. Now, people terrorist attacks are so often and so common that it's just business as usual. Like I referred to, old hat. Oh, hey, uh, subway gets blown up by a terrorist, some Muslim guy loses his mind, blows up a family. Uh, this, this attack happens, the shoe bomb happens, etc. We're so conditioned now to horrific news that I don't think it affects the stock market either way. It's a sad it's sad for humanity. It really is. Uh, and I, I know you remember that day yourself. Sure. But if, if that day came again, I don't think the same I don't think the same reaction would happen. I I think that hey, everybody's very sad, but as business as usual, classes are still on. No one's really talking about it. Oh woe is me and and uh, move on to the next piece of news the next day. And uh, we were conditioned, and I think with that, the market's conditioned. Mm-hmm. And I, I would actually like to hear your thoughts on that. What do you think? Well, I was, uh, you know, I'm surprised. I, I hate to say that I agree with you, but I do agree with you. It's almost like it's become, uh, I mean, unless there's some major, major, major one, these small ones seem to have absolutely no effect on the market whatsoever. Absolutely none. But a major one, I think, might... Uh, might have, and hopefully that'll never be the case. I mean, you, you can only yeah, hope that we... and I hope we never cross that bridge, but we'll, we will cross that bridge, but it's going to be from a side of things we've never experienced before. You know, I, I, when you ask me, I think the thing that you, you're more likely to see, potentially, you know, as far as the market is concerned, in all seriousness, like I know job numbers come out on Friday, and if, they, and if they're not good, and if Trump has, and if Trump is stalled by this resistance that's out there on his tax package or on health care, yeah, I think there's a, there's a process there that could affect the market as well. I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. Last time politics, politics bogged the market down. Last time, if you remember, I mean, it was. A, but I, again, I think they use that as an excuse because insider trading is illegal. So if you're insider trading without without justification, the SEC can crack down on you. But if you have justification, even if it's a mirage, then what are they going to do to you? They say, well, based on the political conditions and based on this and based on that, you know, we shorted this or we shorted that. Well. That's not the truth. You shorted it, and you got out of it because you believe that the earnings potential are going to be probably really great in the second quarter and uh, or the third quarter guidance, and you think that uh, you can make a buck on both ways. That's what I think is really happening, but it can't prove it, and uh, and that's that. Mm-hmm. Do you, uh, well, you, we shall see as time as time goes on. We're talking with John Arnold. This is a Truth Investing Show. It happens Monday night, 6 o'clock, News Radio 570 WKBN. John's located in Canfields, and uh, John is a true money manager. Ex- explain your explain that for our listeners that are joining. I mean, when you, when you hook up with John or go with John's uh, J. Arnold Wealth Management, he is an active money manager explain this well i'm actively managing my funds so i so i build my own funds so i don't I, they're not publicly traded or anything it's just and a lot of guys have this capability so uh, i built a model i call maybe my moderate conservative model and that's designed to make you five to six percent and i plug in 10 to 12 different strategies and i monitor those strategies and when i make a move it moves for everybody in a moderate conservative account called an sma account same thing with aggressive model, same thing with an ultra-aggressive model or conservative model. They, there's all different types of approaches. There's all different types of bells and whistles. And, and to, more to your point is, here's what I'm not doing is the best way to describe me. I am not selling you American funds or Franklin Templeton funds 
charging you almost a 6% load, and sending you a Christmas card and pretending to be your friend, they call myself a financial advisor, which I, I, I believe is complete malarkey. I don't believe in that. I think that's ridiculous. I think if you're a client and you're letting people get away with that, you're paying for friends, and I happen to find you ridiculous. So what we do instead is we actively manage. Sometimes we're right, sometimes we're wrong, but you're going to get a value. You're going to get something different, and we're going to put you into things that we believe there's potential for growth, uh, potential to man- uh, manage risk, meaning manage the downside, and uh, catch you know catch some equities like Amazon and Facebook and, and some winners and ISRG on the upside. And I have to say, we've had some losers along the way, like Under Armour, Dunkin' Donuts, et cetera. So I have no crystal ball, but you will definitely get a better, uh, I think, strategy from our philosophies. Uh, some people disagree with it. Some people agree with it. At the end of the day, I think I give you something different. Right, but do you think do you think long term Under Armour and those kind of things are going to be and Dunkin' Donuts are going to flounder? I mean, no, nah, Dunkin' Donuts has made its way back up. I mean, if you put money in Dunkin' Donuts, you've made money by now. The problem is, is I can't, you know, clients invest money with me for you know two or three years. They want performance. I have a lot of their money in Dunkin' Donuts and stagnant for two years. They don't care about what's coming. They just want to know, hey, I didn't make money on my money in two years. Same thing happened to me with cybersecurity. Now everybody's a big fan of cybersecurity. I'm looking like a stud, but for a year and a half, cybersecurity sucked. So it's just one of those things to where I'm in, I'm in, the, I'm in the cat box seat. So uh, I gotta, I'm paid to perform. I got to perform in a timely manner. Sometimes my investments, though in the long term, look like genius. In the in the short term, really look like duds. So it, that's where it comes down to what you said before: chemistry between the client and I. Is it going to work? That's why we don't take everybody's clients. When somebody wants to leave our firm, we help them. We help them leave. We don't fight them. Uh, and and and, when, and sometimes it just takes a conversation of understanding of what we're trying to accomplish. And most of the times, the clients like, "Why? Well, I'm glad I stayed," and they end up making money. But it's not always the case. But it's so, a, but but it is a growing client base and yeah, continues it, I'm to. I'm very proud to say it's an it's a rapidly growing client base and. And a lot of people come to us on a weekly basis and say, hey, you're a breath of fresh air. I'll put it this way. I haven't asked for business in six years. Right, but it's been strictly referral. Right, but that's active, uh, that's active money management, though. I mean, that's... Right. And, and, and when I talk active money management, it means John will, can sell or buy without calling the client first because uh, and get out of areas to be able to react uh, quickly if necessary. Correct? Right. What you're describing is discretionary authority. I've been a fiduciary since 2007. I, I, I beat the regulators by, shoot, nine years. I think that's how it's always should have been. And uh, I have discretionary authority to act on behalf of the account, time and price. And I do that because sometimes my clients may be performing surgery. They might be on the golf course. Or, frankly, they just don't want to even talk to me. At the end of the day, they just say, hey, give me money, protect my money, and we're good. And I like it that way. And and a lot of clients, let's be realistic, make it make an investment, forget about it, and expect you know expect you to deal with it. And that's pretty much how a lot of them operate, is it not? I mean, you don't have the time to mess with. I mean, you as the individual investor don't have the time to mess with it every day. That's what you're buying expertise. Yeah, I I, I will. I, I use the term expert very lightly. I I uh, I don't consider myself an expert. I think I give a lot of value. But, yeah, they, they're, they're buying something which I think is time. Honestly, you don't have to be a genius to do what I do. You don't have to be even very intelligent. You just got to have 
a lot of times study the markets and have a willingness to do what the other guys won't. If you can do that, you can put some strategies together that more than likely will get your clients a better return than, you know, Joe Schmo down the street selling you an A-share fund. That's true, right? And that's something I bring to the table, right? But uh, and but there are no f- when you buy and sell, the client doesn't pay a fee f- no. for the transaction. Absolutely not. That uh, what you're talking about is a wrap account. You know, they pay us X amount of fee. We eat all the trading charges. We eat all the custodial tra- charges. They pay a one percent flat fee or a one and percent flat fee based on the amount of money that's in the account. We divide, we measure the performance on a monthly basis. So we don't charge that one percent up front. We actually divide that by twelve because we're measuring the account every twelve every month. So that way, majority of the clients' money is working for them. That they don't get one percent up front uh, charge. And then and the other thing uh, that we do there is, if I'm going to call myself a fiduciary responsible money manager or account manager, then we should measure the account monthly, not quarterly or yearly. Because so much can change. If I lose a client money, which I have, I should get less money at the end of the month. If I make more money, I should get more. So we do everything we can to make it sure it's 100% client-oriented first. There's nothing holding them back. There's no surrender charges. There's no B shares. There's no CDSC charges. You can leave and come and go as you please with our with our accounts any which way. And we don't have we have a bunch of custodians that work for them. If somebody likes Pershing, somebody likes Charles Schwab, or somebody likes uh, uh, interactive brokers, et cetera, or TD Ameritrade, we go with what the client wants. I, I, I prefer interactive brokers and TD Ameritrade, but we'll do what we got to do to make the client happy. So it's 100% a la carte at our firm, clients first, we put our money where our mouth is, and uh, very rarely do we lose a business and or a contact, a perspective. And sometimes it's my personality and the client's personality are just not a mesh, which which I get. I'm not a... You know, I'm not uh, I'm not Mary Poppins. I'm not a, uh, you know, I'm not one of those guys that wants to sell you top word in your business. Right, uh, but uh, needless to say, most clients all they want you to do is keep an eye on their money and hopefully make money. And if the market goes down, know when to get out. I mean, that's pretty much what people expect, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a stretch, though. Just in describing me, um, no one knows when to get out of the market. No one knows to get it. So we do, you know, we do analysis and, and we don't time it perfectly ever. That's impossible. But we do have certain trends we follow. We try to get close, vice versa, in and out. I think what we do better than anybody is identify sectors that are undervalued and, and tactically managed. Meaning, like, for instance, we got into that aerospace and defense fund just right. I, I, I would be on the bet, you know, up and down the street, how many guys have been re- recommending aerospace and defense ETF? And it, was, it's, it didn't take a genius. Hey, we got an imminent war action coming, either it's Syria, North Korea, Iran, or somebody. And just talk of that will make aerospace and defense stocks go up. Same thing with our move to mid cap, small cap. Same thing with our moves to cybersecurity or home building. It's we're not doing your run of the mill, you know, VOO SP 500 fund. We're giving you something of value, something we think we can do different or for you that average Joe is not willing to do. And which doesn't mean they're good or bad. It's just what we do as our strategy. Well, you're, it's different from what some people uh, are used to. But as as John mentioned, there are models that are you know less uh, risky, you know less risky, uh, moderate risk, and high risk. Uh, basically, if I had to define just three categories, 
that you can put people in based on their age and their comfort and all that kind of stuff when you went talk to them uh, as well. Yes, yes, absolutely. All right. I'll tell you something else that uh, if, I don't know if, we're, if we have a couple minutes, but I'll tell you something I'm very proud of. All right. We're, we're implementing technology and strategies that I don't think anybody around the world, excuse me, around the world, I mean around the area has. Uh, we, we just implemented a live video conference in our training room in the basement of my, my building. Uh, that means that the client can log in from their home on their couch and watch one of my workshops and seminars live instead of having to come because we only have 20 seats in our training room. Mm-hmm. And we're going to start doing podcasts and training on there live, uh, teaching people how to invest, what to look out for, ideas, strategies, et cetera. And, and, and I get to find somebody that's willing to do that. We're doing that. I believe education is the key to client relationship. So we're offering training classes on Saturdays again. We're going to be offering some workshops on an investment product that I've coming up. Pays an 8% dividend on the first year, 6% strategy for the next three years. But no upfront charges, no upfront loads, no upfront fees. I just got a lot coming down the pike technology-wise and and, uh, product and strategy-wise that I think I'm going to be hard to beat at. And so I'm going to announce that on the shows, the dates, and how to do that on the upcoming shows here. Uh, and whether you're a client or prospect or, or competitor or whoever you are, you're going to be able to learn from me, and you're going to be able to uh, get a fundamental understanding of investing, and you're going to be able to get to get some insight on some strategies that uh, I think you've been missing out on, and I'm very proud of that. All right, but John, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you this. Enjoy well, a little bit. You. Enjoy a little bit of summer, man. Enjoy, you know, <laughs> enjoy a little bit of June, July, and August with those children of yours. You know, no, I, I do, I do. I, you know, we belong to the Lake Club. Uh, we have a lot of friends and clients that belong there. Ed Moransky is such a study. I mean, he built that. There's no weakness in that place. It's unbelievable. Um, but we we uh, we go in there and enjoy the family, and I'm family first. But I also look at our clients. This is very salesy to say, but it's true. I look at our clients as family because right after the, you know, right after religion and their children, their money's right there and they're trusting me with it. And that means a lot. So we look at that. We look at our clients as part of family. So I have to spend a lot of time my own family. Yes, but I do have to spend a lot of time Managing money, and that's well, what I signed up for. John, all I'm saying is start the classes in the fall and the winter. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I give, know, I give know. yourself well, a break. Give yourself, give yourself a break. I mean, Arnold kind of focuses on this stuff. Uh, you know, if you think this is an eight-hour job, you're crazy, right, John? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a morning-to-night job, no doubt. It's and, a, and it's like that for a lot of my competitors as well. They, there's a lot of studying. There's a lot of trying to get an edge in our market. Um, it's just, like I said, it's what you signed up for. If you're a cardiovascular surgeon, there's sometimes you're on call and you're doing an eight hour surgery in the middle of the night and you get paid a lot of money to do that because it's a tough thing. It's tough. It's what people don't want to do. And same thing goes with, uh, being an investment advisor. So you're going to be a true investment advisor. It's going to require a lot of studying, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of getting, uh, verbally punched in the face and getting back up and fighting. 
And uh, all like of, I said, you know what you signed up for. All the good stuff. John Arnold's uh, office is in Canfield on uh, Star Center Drive, uh, which is over by like the Poor House, uh, which uh, is uh, a bar and restaurant, or Bruno Brothers Pizza over in there by pretty close to the intersection of uh, Lockwood and 224. What's the number for the office, John? You, you can give us a call for free consultation at 330-965-9890. Check us out at www.jewealth.net. And uh, again, always free consultation, no pressure. And I appreciate people listening. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good night.